Man on Fire starts out well, but goes over the top in the violent second half. To which I say, yeah, so what? <laughs> I have mixed feelings about this movie. Man on Fire, episode two of the 40 Under 40 podcast. I am Chris Mangan with my co-host Chris Russell. That is correct. I flip-flop with this a lot. I go I go back and forth. I hate the style, and then I go, oh, the style worked here. I'll hate an actor, and then I'll go, oh, that wasn't a bad scene for them. I can't pin down how I feel about it. I'm in love with it one second, and then the next second, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I, I think as we go through this, I'll, I'll see your points here. It's just, you know, what, what, it's one of those movies for me that I loved it when I first saw it. It came out 16 years ago. I've seen it upwards of 50 times and that's not even close to hyperbole and it's so it's just a movie that i'm, I'm always gonna love watching it more critically for for this podcast i'm able to see some flaws but i'm still full steam ahead on it so i think i had a bad experience i haven't seen this since it came out and i saw it in the theaters with my girlfriend at the time and i think i had one of those bad staten island movie theaters experiences where it was yeah like, I, not a great like date a, movie either no no well maybe <laughs> the first 45 minutes yeah it's wholesome. Yeah. It, it has some wholesome moments in between the horrific violence and, and, and uh, <laughs> one, one, one scene that, that is on my, uh, my most redeemable might be one of my favorite. I've got power over you. There's a thing that's going to happen to you. You are fucked. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you know what it is. It, uh, I, I certainly do. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's jump into the, some of the facts here off, the, off yeah. the start here. Man on Fire received a 39% Rotten Tomato score. The audience giving it 89%, a huge disparity between the audience score and Rotten Tomato score. Ridiculous. That's a huge margin, and I could see why. I feel like, okay, if you gave me the Denzel Dakota Fanning stuff, that's an 89 for me. The rest of the bullshit is a 39 in terms of like so, the so you're jump a first cutting. Half of the movie guy. I'm a very much a first half of the movie guy, although there are moments in the second half where I'm like, this is fucking awesome. This is great. Holy shit. Is it and by then, any chance the entire second half where you feel that way? Because that's no, how I feel. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> no, I would say like it's probably like 70, 30, what the fuck is this? As opposed to like, oh shit, that was pretty awesome. I'm sure we'll get into it in the categories, but. Oh, we will. One thing I will say is that Tony Scott is one of those rare directors that if you just showed me like a screenshot of what was going on in a thing, I would know it was a Tony Scott movie right off the bat. His his style is very, very distinct, very recognizable. Yeah, you, if you know, you know. The, the over-the-top focuses and, and, and flashes and it feels and like... flares and yeah. Oh my God. It feels like if techno music took movie form. <laughs> Which like, for a scene, it sort of does here. It kind, yeah, it definitely does. It, it also reminds me, uh, I'm not proud of this, but uh, way back when, when I was younger, when I was like 17 or 18, I used to, I used to go to these little nightclubs and take some uh <laughs> performance enhancing uh dancing stuff <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we would do these things called light shows at each other we'd have glow sticks in our hands and you'd sit down and somebody would literally just stand in front of you with glow sticks and wave them in your face to the beat and you'd be all whoa and that's what i feel like this movie is i would like to have the ability to do like a flashback here between the two of us right now and just see like a 19-year-old too, just high as the day is long, just watching a man wave lights around in front of his face. I would love to witness that. I mean, I didn't say I was proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie is like the climax of true romance. Well, in the, yeah, in, in, in the second half, it takes, it takes a while to get the action going. Dakota Fanning doesn't get kidnapped until like 53 minutes into the movie, and then shit gets real. 
Yeah, I kind of wanted a little more of the Dakota Fanning stuff. Like I was really I thought it was invested. too much setup. Honestly, really? I disagree. I think it was I think it was too much setup. Like I liked it. I liked the swim stuff because I grew up swimming and not rolling on ecstasy in nightclubs. But <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I, I, I like those moments. I, I, it was just enough to tool a little bit too much. I don't think we needed more of it. But you needed to establish some connection between between Creasy and uh, and Peta. But a, a little more, I think I would have I would have tuned that before the uh, before the fireworks started. There were moments where all of that stuff served in building the tension, like the scene where Peta was in the car with the license plate stuff, like all that, all the frenetic energy of the movie and all the, the cutting and the editing. Like when Denzel was driving around with her, I felt his paranoia because of mm -hmm. it. But then yep. like he'd just be drinking, taking a shot at Jack and then all of a sudden we're in this bug out world and, again. And pumping Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't necessarily get where why Blue Bayou Blue Bayou was the choice for his song and his anthem in this movie, but you know whatever, Tony. I don't want to step on toes of categories, but when he cuts the guy's ear and the Spanish version of Hey Mickey is playing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was a really wonderful moment for me. I think that the soundtrack in this movie is really bizarre. and It is. Uh, really, it's, it's pretty cool. I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's definitely weird. We also get pre-wrestler about to hit his like second resurgence, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, but it's he's he's still on the way back up here. He's still got some some climbing to do before he gets out of that hole in this movie. But he did Sin City the next year, and I think Sin City was what put him on that the map. That was the that was the yeah part of his yeah. you know re-entrance into the the consciousness. Yeah, and then he, um, he did Domino. He did Tony Scott's next movie, Domino. I love Domino. It's on the list. I want to take a break from Tony Scott for a little while. That's that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> it's it's it can be a lot. But, yeah. Uh, Domino was a movie that was on a lot, like HBO when it first came out. I saw that movie a ton. But let's wrap up some of the facts here, and then we can jump into categories, huh? Yeah. So released April twenty third, two thousand four. Opened number one, twenty two point seven million dollars. Uh, it's opening weekend was the second weekend for Kill Bill 2. Mm. Also out that weekend was The Punisher, the Thomas Jane Punisher, another guilty pleasure movie of mine. I enjoy uh, that movie. Really, really violent weekend at the box office. Just a lot of blood. I feel like this era in film was very much, you killed somebody I love and I'm going to go on a homicidal rampage. Yeah. What was the one with Vin Diesel, A Man Apart? Didn't that Man come Apart. out this year yep. around that time? Around that time also, yep. yeah. That's just another kill everyone movie. Is this the beginning of Revenge, Denzel? It is. Uh, it's it's this. Uh, I like the Equalizer movies later on. Where yeah. it's uh, any any movie where yeah, Denzel just wants to eviscerate the world. Yeah. Um, in for sight unseen. Yeah, I like it. I this is this is one of my favorite Denzels. Yeah, it's it's certainly up there for me. I like this Denzel and I like Broke Schmuck Denzel. I like John Q and Fences. Those Denzels are my favorite. And then obviously Training Day. That's a whole separate stratosphere of Denzel. Mark Anthony in, a, in really the only movie I remember him doing. Well, and our, uh, our dear why. Christopher Walken. We get Christopher Walken and Christopher Walken wants to come and actually act in a movie and not just like <laughs> prance around and, and act like a, act like an asshole. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play nice today. I'll do yeah. that. <laughs> I'm here to act. So I saw this in the theater with my with my girlfriend at the time, and I'm 95% sure that it was one of those movies that I went to a, a packed Staten Island movie theater, the one down on Forest Avenue, and it was like a Saturday night, and everybody was acting like a fucking fool. 
and it took me out of it, which as it does, like I have a lot of movies that I have to rewatch later on to fully appreciate because of that bullshit. I'm very fickle about my movie theater audience experience. One lousy it, person can can kill it for me. It's entirely possible I was at the movies that night acting like a fool, just no. as Denzel blew people up, uh, me just <laughs> yelling and hooting and hollering in, in the background. It's, it's So I apologize, I guess. Yeah, well, I forgive you. I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I guess last of the facts, budget of 70 million wound up grossing 77 million in the US almost 78 and 131 million worldwide so commercial success yeah clearly not a critical success based on our tomato meter here but a real crowd pleaser do you want to get to the categories let's get into them all right most cringeworthy scene what made me cringe consistently throughout the movie was the in and out accent of lisa played by rada mitchell oh, is she God. southern is she from texas is she just regular american I, I don't understand what accent she's going to supposed to be portraying. Um, the actress is from, I think, Australia. Originally, I looked up. It's just very inconsistent and sort of maddening to me whenever she talked. I like the character. I like her place in the movie. The accent itself drove me bonkers. I had a couple of notes about her performance. I actually really liked her performance, and especially the scenes where she's, her and Mark Anthony, at the end, they're yelling at each other. She has that awful task of being the scene partner to an actor who's not really an actor. And a bad one at that. He's very bad, and she doesn't, she doesn't push too hard. It still felt real to me. I still felt like she was in it and the shots of her in that scene, her coverage, she was still believable despite yeah. Mark Anthony just going, I killed her. I killed her. Okay. <laughs> I did it. Okay. I oh, did it. God. <laughs> but there was another scene when, when she finds out that Dakota Fanning is quote unquote dead. She does like a three stooges slap of everybody in the room. Everyone she, in the room. She slaps she slaps the first guy and then runs down the line of people on the phone yeah. and whacks all three of them. Just nyuk nyuk nyucking the whole <laughs> way down the line. <laughs> They cut the they cut a part where she ran with two fingers extended like this and poked uh, <laughs> another guy in the eyes. <laughs> Dakota Fanning swooning after the bird scene after he's like the, the bird annoyed me and they yeah. have that little moment where she's like good night and she runs to her bed and does a spin like a, <laughs> like a teenage rom com that was a little weird it was but it's you know she got attached to him quickly it's it's not it's not the worst other things that made me cringe they named the dog after Mark Anthony's character they named them they named him Sam and they're both named Sam I can't yeah. imagine either of us getting a dog and just naming it Chris I mean I would. I would name it after you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I actually didn't even catch that. Yeah, he says it too. He goes, she's like, what's his name? He goes, Sam, like your dad. And I, I like paused and like just stared like a hole through the screen. I'm like, part of it is because everything with Mark Anthony, Anthony in a movie, I hate. But just it's a nonsensical thing. Chris, was, was Mark Anthony the one who sang the national anthem at the World Series, the game that we went to where the Mets lost in 2000? <sighs> I'm pretty sure it was. I don't remember. I tried to black most of that night out. Well, I'm pretty sure it was him. Great. Yeah. There's that haunting image, too, of uh, him and, and Jennifer Lopez and A-Rod. He's wearing a Mets hat. Oh, yeah. A-Rod is just towering over them. like Just like the Grim Reaper. there was a crystal ball that, at that time. <laughs> Speaking of Mark Anthony, uh, in the scene where he's driving, is he driving with a putter? Uh, you know what? I didn't I didn't pay close enough attention. Oh, really? The golf I guy? Did so, I did so... I did see the, the golf scene. I just got distracted. I'm like, ooh, simulator, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not notice it, his, his club choice. It would not surprise me if he was doing the wrong thing. The subtitles. 
what the fuck? All of a sudden, I like the style. Oh, of it. I... It's a Tony Scott thing too, because I feel like <sighs> I feel like in Domino something similar comes back. But I like the way it like reads on the screen. But I'm I'm maybe just an idiot. The, I don't know. The translation I'm I'm cool with. It's the all of a sudden just you're just gonna translate or just subtitle one of the fucking lines that we clearly hear Denzel saying. <laughs> like like right like you know i forgot it. don't lie to me who's the boss who's the boss like it was like it all of a sudden turns into like 90 day fiance <laughs> just for no reason it just starts translating what we clearly hear on screen that's the type of stuff that he does that just drives me absolutely insane that's fair all right Anything else that made you cringe? I'm not. Oh, I'm not done. Great. Fire away. <laughs> was he charged with murdering cops and then just walked out of the hospital? Did I miss something? So the um the the Interpol guy who I just I can only see him as uh the the sidekick in uh, Casino Royale. He's um I forget the guy's name, but whatever. He's he, so he's Interpol. So I think he his rank in in global law enforcement is higher than just local mexican police so i think he's able to help facilitate his either escape or release from the hospital or something into like what uh christopher walken called a dog hospital where he completed the rest of his recovery okay because he's he's going after these corrupt cops and trying to help them and also help facilitate mass murder yeah at the same time the ethics of this is is a little a little confusing a little fuzzy the rave I, I can't. First of all, it gave me flashbacks to those times when I was a child <laughs> in clubs doing doing ecstasy. <laughs> but the rave, the, the sped up dancing and the cutaways between the killings and all that shit, I, I, uh, I just can't. The way Denzel dressed up for it reminded me of like Poochie the dog. <laughs> just like, or like, hey, what's up, fellow kids? <laughs> like, where, where are the drug pills? <laughs> he kind of did dress like Carmen Sandiego a little bit. Let's see yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's shooting the shotgun in the ceiling. They're not leaving. They think it's awesome. He can't get them out, but then all of a sudden, they're all out on the street, still dancing. The place blows up, and they're like, oh, cool. There was a lot of I mean, liberties taken in between. I'm not totally sure, because if, like, if Sound Factory blew up in, like, 99, yeah. And everyone was outside. Then I probably would have had better. People thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world. I mean, as a, as a child, An explosion in the middle of a rave, like yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I probably would have, but but uh, the logistics of that, getting all of those people out the uh, out one exit and yeah, that's you know <laughs> after it was taking a them fire hazard to say the least, a real long time to have an active shooter in the fucking room to not leave. <laughs> <laughs> Denzel moves pretty well for a guy who's been shot in the chest six times, don't you think? Yeah, his healing powers were pretty extraordinary uh, in the first, you know, 75% of the movie. Yeah, and especially like when you see him getting in the pool, there's the brown discharge that comes out of him. That can't be good. This is blood. I know. I was making a joke. It's dried blood. Yeah, yeah no, I know. Yeah. It's not poop. He didn't poop right, in the pool. Right. But he bleeds out when he's in the pool and then he puts on a suit and he's hungry. It's part of the healing process. Dory. Is it? Chlorine? Yeah, salt water. No, maybe it was a salt water pool. No, it was not. How do you know? Because I was there. Oh, okay. It's a little predictable that Mark Anthony and Mickey Rourke were behind it. The look that Mark Anthony... Well, I mean, they also... It's predictable because the first like scene of the movie is them planning it. Are they actually planning it, though? Yes. Oh, well, maybe it wasn't... When they're out at the restaurant together, they, they're they planning it. Oh, uh, all right. Well, you, you got me there, Chris. I might have been I, gotcha. I might have been texting during that scene. All right, got him. Because <laughs> no, because I actually had the note. I could still share the note about Mark Anthony's bad acting. There's a moment where he Oh, it's awful, so share away. Longingly looks at her as she's driving away, and I'm like, Oh, you don't hide that at all. You have no poker face, dude. <laughs> um, taken on camera class with me. I hate that. The 
Denzel's surrender and death, more of the fucking flashy bullshit. And then the memorandum, seriously, do we need his character in the day that he was born? Like, do we need his tomb? So at the, as we, a we finished watching it this afternoon and, and Jamie goes, wait, this was a true story? Oh <laughs> For a second, I thought they generally <laughs> they they generally do those things at the end of true stories, not at the end of yeah. over the top action fiction movies. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but that's... Weird. I don't know that I ever really noticed that before today. My bigger problem with the ending is that it could possibly be, and uh, our friend Dennis points this out to me numerous times, Dennis. the worst trade in movie history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so Robinson Cano for Jared Kalenic. He's got the guy's brother after he blows his three or four fingers off, which is an awesome shot. Yeah. He's got his estranged wife and probably child there. And somehow makes a trade to give up the three-fingered brother, let the wife go, surrender himself, just to let Peter go. He has pretty much even leverage, if not more leverage, and just overpays yeah. to get Peter out. I don't know why. He was just desperate to get the deal done. It's, it's yeah, it's it's Zambrano for, for Casimir. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's, it's a real trade deadline deal. It's a real fiasco. I would not let John Creasy be my GM any day of the week. All right, most redeeming moments. The use of the Claire de Lune, I think, is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever written. I, it is. I have used it in one of my films. I fucking loved it, the way it was woven into the, uh, into the kidnapping scene. I thought that was beautiful. So it's, it's something I had never noticed before in all the times I've watched it. And maybe it's just because I watched Ocean's Eleven like two weeks ago when, <laughs> when Carl Reiner passed away that it's been more in my consciousness because to me, to me, and obviously it's a much more famous piece of music than that, but it's the end of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And I, I always associate it with that. So when I heard it, I'm like, this is interesting here like i'm just used to just a bunch of guys standing around the fountains like at the end <laughs> i love that i have a personal thing personal attachment to that song with uh my girlfriend but i also i used it in uh, a movie once and it is a very very easy thing to set music to it is like silk yeah it's beautiful yeah and and see seeing it in a violent sense like this was even more soothing surprisingly <laughs> The tensions behind the scenes when he's driving with Peta, I thought that that was all great. I think that was really great use of his aesthetic. Uh, it was really the, the only time where it didn't drive me nuts because I did, I said it before, but I felt Denzel's anxiety. I felt what was going on in him during mm -hmm. all that. And then the license plate scene where, where Peta's taking, Peta like takes the number down and takes the initiative while mom is just yeah. fucking oblivious in the back seat, Just head in the clouds. Yeah. What else you got? All the redeemable moments for me are Denzel killing everyone. Most of All them are great. All the kill scenes are, and the two main ones I want to focus on here, and you tell me which one is your favorite. The car scene where he cuts the guy's fingers and ears off, singes the wounds closed with a car cigarette lighter, which, <laughs> a quick aside, when I was a child, I accidentally stuck my finger into the car cigarette lighter. Oh, God. That fucking hurts, man. Yeah. It hurts really, really bad, let alone having your finger cut off beforehand. And then having that jammed on top. Can't even imagine. I was like 11 at the time. It was one of the worst pains of my life. But yeah, I, I, uh, I do not envy that, uh, that crooked cop no. in that moment. It reminded me of a scene from a, from a future 40 under 40 from the Boondock Saints where they're, they're closing yeah. up those wounds with an iron. So when he, when yeah. he took out the cigarette later, I knew exactly what to expect. I was like, oh, oh no, okay. 
one of my favorite lines of the movie is in that scene before he shoots him. It's on to the next life for you. Yeah. I guarantee you, you won't be lonely. That's so, so have you ever seen, <laughs> have you ever seen the, the montage on YouTube of Denzel saying, I guarantee it? No. So that's Denzel's thing. Like, you know, how Owen Wilson says, wow. Yeah. Denzel Washington says, I guarantee it in just about every fucking movie. He says it twice oh, yeah. in this movie. And that's the first time. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty terrific that he he's about to kill him and he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill so many fucking more people after this. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> and he does. So that's that's one. And the other one is is the obvious bomb up the butt scene. Yeah, that's a that's an unpleasant way to die. It is. It's more of an unpleasant way to like find out you're going to die. Like you come to. Yeah. And a man informs you that inside your anus is a highly explosive device that only he has control over. And at a future time to be determined, it's going to detonate. Yeah. Now it's a quick death. You end quickly. But the time in between finding out that information and when you go, I got to be honest, I might just try and poop my pants to try to cut the bomb. Right. Out. Wouldn't he do that? Wouldn't you want to like just try to squeeze out a fart? I try. Yeah. But it's still like, going to like run. What's the worst that happens? You shit your pants and then you die? Yeah. Like whatever. Well, the best case scenario is that it falls out. He kicks it really hard and it goes not close to him or could you imagine if he does get it out and it just gets caught in his sock (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) almost had it so those are the two murders he commits not two the two murders but two of the more prominent murders he commits directly the giving the bullet to mark anthony scene amazing i liked i liked the the symmetry uh and the you know the, the bullet never lying angle there that was fantastic that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite parts in the movie just one little quick aside about the car rectum death scene he says you're the president you can call the butt bomb oh sorry the butt bomb excuse me when he says i'm the president and denzel goes oh you're the president the president that is that that is such a denzel thing like nobody can take that line the way denzel Denzel washington does that like sarcastic like it reminded me of alonzo in training day like that's that's what yeah. that was that moment for me for him so good I had that too the bullet the bullet giving it to Mark Anthony just to backtrack a little bit the swim meet felt like the climax of a sports movie and I wrote down why didn't Tony Scott ever direct a sports movie because he seems to like that and then I went oh shit he did oh uh, that's where you went yeah yeah and then the fan which I think we should totally do on this show now yes but are there baseball sequences in that movie are there like actual in the fan yeah a handful a handful. I wish he would have done, yeah. he, you know, he, his aesthetic would be really awesome for a hockey movie. Well, it's a shame he's dead. Yes, I know. But, On mo- for more reasons than one. Right. But I think that in his heyday, I think that if we would have gotten not like a slap shot remake. So maybe like the Jean-Claude Van Damme vehicle, sudden death. Something like that. But no, could you imagine like the, the skating, using the skates and using the hits against the boards and, and all that shit? I think that would have been a really cool world for him to play in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. A gritty, violent hockey movie. The bear, Peter giving giving Denzel the bear, I thought was really, I got a little misty with that. Also, did we ever get any backstory as to why why he's such a good swim coach? No, none whatsoever. Just maybe that his reflexes were always good and he's he's able to pass that on to a seven-year-old yeah. trying to swim. He knows about guns. Um, he knows about guns, maybe, because there's a gun I, when you... When you... When you start, yeah, maybe guns. I did love his instructions on how to turn off the highfalutin piano teacher. Just burp every two minutes in his face, <laughs> and he won't want to teach you anymore. Fantastic <laughs> advice. I was looking at the IMDb facts, and and one of them was just simply Dakota Fanning could not barp on command, so they had a stunt burper on set. <laughs> 
That could be a good role for you, stunt farter. Stunt farter. <laughs> I don't know. My farts are getting a little less loud in my old age. I don't know what it is. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's all I have for anything else. That's all I have for redeeming. I think yeah. that's a lot, actually. It is. It's a quite redeemable movie. I'm. I'm. Listen, I don't hate it. It. It doesn't have a rotten score for me. I will give you that. I will. I will. I will. Had a boy. Yeah. Could this movie exist in 2020? I wrote down yes. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> It absolutely could. I mean, it's just yeah. it's just an action movie. It's you know, yeah. I'm kidnapping still exists around the world, so it doesn't necessarily have to be in Mexico. It could be yeah. in another in another country. Like a, a kidnapping rescue story, ransom story is is pretty much timeless. So yes, it could still exist today. Yeah, and I think that one thing to to defend Tony Scott and all of his stuff, I think that this is a very generic by the numbers kidnapping movie without all of that other stuff i think that his style is what separates it mm-hmm. i do think it's a pretty generic script yeah the script i mean there's a couple lines i like but other other than that yeah it's not nothing spectacular about the writing one movie i one thing i'd like to see is a prequel with um you know how how denzel and walk and talk about could, do you think god could forgive us for what we've done <laughs> i'd love to see a movie of like younger them where they just do a whole bunch of unforgivable shit. <laughs> you know, obviously it's easy. You could get John David Washington to play the uh, the young Creasy. I don't know who on planet Earth could play a younger Christopher Walken with his cadence and, you know. I know. Adam Driver. Okay. I saw Adam Driver in a play, and um, it was called Burn This, and he was absolutely off the wall, insane. And he reminded me of Christopher Walken. I had that thought. I was like, this is like a Walken performance. It's funny, and we also have a history of those two actors being terrific on screen together. Wait, what movie? Black Clansman. Oh, fuck, that's right. They're each other. <laughs> Is this Christopher Walken's character from True Romance? Hmm. And then he goes to Mexico? What, does he die at the end of True Romance? I don't remember. It's, I, see, I've, I watched it actually sort of recently, too, but I, I can't remember. Well, I'd like to think that would that, be an, that that was that would be an interesting. I like trying to think about that. If movies like cross worlds and like characters pop up in, uh, pop up in other places, that would be very very interesting. Yeah, for sure. I would I would try to think of like another Denzel movie that we could throw him in here. Yeah, I mean he's he's so he's a CIA operative in this before before he gets becomes a fall down drunk and bodyguard. His equalizer character was also a CIA operative, so maybe it's just that if whenever Denzel works for the CIA, everyone else perishes yeah i mean speaking of fall down drunk nothing nothing stands out on a resume and in a job interview more than like i'm a drunk it messes with my equilibrium and my motor skills yeah (laughs) and then i'm gonna and then i'm I'm gonna come home and go hang out with your daughter alone in a room (laughs) and and the market is like what he's great he actually says that yeah well we've you know we've pretty much established that mark anthony is a dog shit dad in this movie so (laughs) yeah yeah some growing pains this first kid you know (laughs) mvp it's creasy it's denzel it's not it's it's not close i'd hear a case for christopher walken's character but it's it's denzel and it's a fucking runaway it is a runaway i actually when i was writing nominees as the movie went on i did write fanning and then i just put in parentheses as the movie went i just wrote not in it enough yeah the Claire de Lune, just for me, is an MVP because I just fucking love that piece of music. Yeah, I, I don't think you could give it to anybody else. 
LVP. Uh, it's a, it's a tie between Samuel Ramos and Jordan Kalfas, both just despicable humans mm. and not well acted roles in in this movie. So I I hang them both on the hook for LVP. I will just swing the vote for you. I will say Mark Anthony all the way. I, I think it's just I I actually don't think Mickey Rourke is bad in this movie because I just never think Mickey Rourke is bad. But Mark Anthony just there's a reason why you never saw him again yeah he i mean bad character bad acting bad bad fucking everything here well let's recast that so who's around in that time in 2004 like who's somebody who could have played that schmucky any other any other actor yeah but we could do better than that like maybe they got him for free because he was just trying to break into acting like 2004 john leguizamo could play that role fucking twenty thousand times better yeah and he would have given it a little more gravitas. There would have been a little yes. bit more of you, you kind of not feel bad for this guy, but but there's something compelling about it. Like this guy's just a fucking yes. limp noodle schmuck. And he's not like, even. He can still like, do like the fast talking con man stuff. Yeah. Like, but inspires some sort of sympathy for how his father just left him a pile of shit when he died. Yeah. And he didn't even get the song in the credits. If he sang, I'd be, I'd be much harder on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> then I need to be like, there's no possible moment for a Mark Anthony solo in this film. No, I'm saying like in the credits, the credits roll yeah. and then he gets a song. Yeah. <laughs> I stink the musical. <laughs> the runtime, dude, two and a half is stupid, long. stupid long for this movie. Yeah. That's th- that, that kind of, I guess can naturally segue us into devil's advocate in defense of the credits. Like it, it, two and a half hours is it's, it's absolutely too long for this movie. Uh, action movies should be like an hour 45, two hours tops. Yeah. Two and a half is way too long. Yeah. And that's part of why I think taking an hour to get to the kidnapping is, is too much. Like if, if you take, that would be half of an hour 45 movie. If you take half of that to set it up, there's not enough time for Denzel to kill that many people. Okay. But if you cut, let's just say if you cut 10 minutes of bullshit light show editing and all that stuff, I really do think you could shave like 10 or 15 minutes off of this movie. Probably could. That's what I mean. Like the, the the first half and the second half could be cool in and of themselves, but they're just so separate in what they're trying to do that it doesn't feel cohesive at all. The tone is is very separate. Even musically, everything. Uh, the the yeah, the two halves are very very. I do want to point out though, within five minutes of each other, we get Christopher Walken saying, "Creasy's odd is death," and he's about to paint his masterpiece. Unbelievable. And then, and then five minutes later, we get Denzel. Forgiveness is between them and God. It's my job to arrange the meeting. Yeah. We get those two fucking actors saying those lines within five minutes of each other. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, oh God, this movie's awesome. Uh-huh. And then it goes off the rails again. That's why it's so frustrating to me because like I'm all in when I hear those two things. I really am. I'm yeah. all in. And then a bunch of other bullshit happens. Oh, you're the president. The president. <laughs> you know who else can pull that line off? Who? Is De Niro. Which one? Oh, the president. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. The president. <laughs> and then he turns to his buddy. Like, he's like, uh, he's the president. Like an, like an analyze this De Niro yeah. or like something like that. Like, oh, he's the fucking president. You hear that? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, now go home and get your fucking shine box. Uh, All right. <laughs> Last but not least, your personal tomato rating. Did we devil's advocate yet? Oh, oh okay. 
yeah, I mean, all I can defend is, and it's not even anything I saw in critics. Oh, actually, let's backtrack a little bit further. I did write down some key reviews, and one of them oh, is yes. just a hilarious review from a guy <laughs> from the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> this is garbage, but it's entertaining garbage. I stand behind that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's garbage, but it's entertaining. So, you, you know, you get half credit there. Nick LaSalle in San Francisco. Yeah. It sure as hell is entertaining. So I'll defend that part of the critic. Yeah, this other one that you have written down, the Richard Roper one. I'm recommending Man on Fire for that bold style. It's unapologetic comic book story arc and the great performances from Denzel Washington, Christopher Walken, and young Dakota Fanning. Comic book story arc is really, that's what this is. And I think that's probably why mm-hmm. it's so long because it follows the comic book formula. Because we do get the the sort of transformation of this guy who was softening to just full-blown train killer. Superhero, yeah. Yeah, and then he sacrifices himself at the end. Devil's Advocate, I, I gotta I have to agree. Like I, I just think that the consensus is correct. I think it's too busy for its own good. Could have been a clean two hours without all the bullshit. But I don't think I don't think it's a 39. I think that's ludicrous. I think it's a better movie than that. So <laughs> what do you think it is? I give it, and this is this is a this is a tomato. I give it a 61. Okay. What'd you give Rocky? 70 71, I think. So you think that pile of shit is better than this movie? Because it's 90 minutes and it and it's over. It's it, we're in and out. We're in and out of that store. We're not stopping. It's a quick walk in a target, you get your thing, you leave. It's not two hours in Walmart. Well, I'm giving it a 90. Good for you. If the audience has it at 89, I look at more than the average person. I'm giving it a 90. That's that's my my stone cold logic behind that number. Yeah, but I also don't have any nostalgia for any of these people. Like I don't have like in Rocky Four, I'm watching Rocky and Paulie, and I'm with my friends. This movie, it's like it's just so much. It's so fucking like Denzel. I feel like I could just watch Denzel do anything, and he is doing everything and anything in this, and it's awesome. But I just like I said, I can't get past all of the. Just all of the other shit. I just can't can't do it. I can't do it. So if you could pick a different director to to direct this, like whose style would would you have this in where it's a more successful movie? Like tighten it up, you know, maybe play the emotional aspect up a little bit more, but still violence. Ooh. Um the first person that came to mind was Tarantino. Only because those he, those Yeah, sh- he'd make a two hour movie. True. <laughs> yeah but all the other stuff in between i think and also the the violent scenes like the gunfights and stuff i feel like think of what he does in django and kill bill like that flash cutty stuff with the and then the use of sound and the use of blood exploding and all that i think that would have been really cool but you could you could say tarantino for just about anything Pretty i don't know anything. let me think of a better yeah. one let me think of a better one who's around that time who's hot at that time who directed training day Antoine Fuqua. I think he was up for this. Yeah, I like. I mean, I obviously like them together. So I think that would um, that would be my pick. Yeah, they they've done a number of films together. Obviously, most notably, Trinity. I think I think he did the Equalizer too. I might be making that up. Yeah. Yeah, he did the Equalizer. Oh man! Oh, he produced Olympus Has Fallen. I was gonna be really, really into this. (laughs) Um, Oh, he directed Shooter. Oh God! Yeah, he's 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 a very He's a good pick for this. That would be my pick. Oh, he did direct Olympus Has Fallen. Okay, so yeah. Action blow up stuff. Yep. He's he's a very good pick for this. Yeah, that's my pick. I had a question for you. Go. Man on Fire Denzel comes after Training Day Denzel. Who prevails? 
Now, now, Training Day Denzel, let's set in LA where Training Day Denzel has a shit ton of resources. Does Man on Fire Denzel get to Training Day Denzel? Does he even get that far? Yeah, he does because at his sharpest, he's still better. Like, and, and it's just like a, a scale thing. Like, can a CIA operative beat an, a dirty LA cop? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think so. And, and he also gets taken down by Ethan Hawke. I don't think right. I don't think Man on Fire. He gets uh, taken by he gets taken down by a guy who smoked angel dust <laughs> in his car, like six hours before that. So, yeah, can a guy who's just a, a little bit drunk on Jack Daniels get him? Definitely. Fair enough. Fair enough. You got any questions for me? I feel like I have a question for you each week. I enjoy that. It's my favorite part. No, the director home is my uh, my big shot this week. All right. Any other final thoughts? Uh, I wish we had more time <laughs> i just can't it's it's that line is is just something that will always always get me right before a man's rectum explodes <laughs> is this the first exploding rectum like the threat of like i have a bomb in your anus is is that is that anywhere else in the cinematic universe it probably is uh not off the top of my head but it's definitely the most notable butt bomb <laughs> all right well we got another one next week. Shall we? Do you want to tease this one? I, I'll tease it. I'll tease it. I'll tease it. Go on. But before I do, I want to make a quick stop at Wendy's. No. No. Why? Wait, wait what? He's obsessed with Wendy's. Huh. <laughs> All I was thinking about was the fountain full of Hawaiian punch and changing socks. <laughs> uh, let me try another one. The hideousness. Of that foot. <laughs> Still haunts me. <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right, buddy. Until next week. Until next week. This is Chris Russell. That is Chris Mangan. This is Chris Mangan. This is Chris Mangan. Sorry. And that was the 40 Under 40 podcast. If you would like to advertise your business or advertise whatever it is you are doing on Zoom, please hit us up. Please uh, message us at 40 Under 40 Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Slide into our DMs. Please give us a follow wherever it is that you subscribe to your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review, yeah. all that good stuff. Tell your friends. We appreciate it. We appreciate the listening, the feedback, all of it. Yeah. And uh, we're going to keep knocking them out for you guys. Yeah. Our list is, is strong and long, but if you have some requests, we do take requests. All right, man. I'll see you next That's week. It. Let's go Mets. Opening week, baby. Let's go Mets, Let's baby. Let's go Mets. I'll see you next week, bud.